Now, you don't have to actually out yourself if you don't want to, but how many of you already have Christmas decorations up? I bet there's probably a few. I know that I've seen them at all the stores surrounding this church already. But the fact is that we are quickly coming to the end of our year. And for us that follow the Christian calendar, the end of the year actually comes a little bit quicker. Uh, The Christian year begins in December. It begins as we begin Advent. What that means for us here is that our journey through the text of Matthew is coming quickly to a close. We only have about three sermons left, three Sundays left, where we are journeying through uh, Matthew. We're in the final sermon that Jesus delivers in the Gospel of Matthew. You may remember that there are five major sermons that Jesus gives in this Gospel. And the setting for this final sermon that Jesus delivers is a time in between. It's a time of waiting, a time between when Jesus enters into the city of Jerusalem and before he goes on into the passion towards the crucifixion and the resurrection. If you want to read a little bit of context as we go forward, I would invite you to read chapter 24, which is the first part of the sermon. And in the first part of the sermon, Jesus predicts what Matthew's audience has already experienced. Jesus in that first part of the sermon predicts a temple destruction and that all of Jerusalem will be destroyed. And then if you want even a little bit more homework, after chapter 25, which is where all three of our next weeks are going to be spent, read the rest of the gospel, chapters 26 on, and you'll find that what these disciples are waiting for is knowing that Jesus will no longer be with them. And so this sermon is designed by Jesus to help these disciples uh, navigate an uncertain future. It's designed to help them while they wait to see what's coming next. And so today we talk about this parable of the bridesmaids and the rest of chapter 25 is also another couple of stories that help these disciples wait well. The next week, we'll talk about a parable of talents, and then finally, in a couple weeks, the Sunday after Thanksgiving, we'll talk about the story of the sheep and goats. And so today, the parable of the bridesmaids. Each week, as I prepare for our time here together, uh, you know that I like to read. I read a lot of commentaries. I read what different people say about the scripture text. I also listen to other sermons and read other sermons that other people write. I spend a whole lot of my time consulting what you may call the experts on these texts. Many of these experts have these texts completely figured out, as you would imagine. It shouldn't surprise you, though, that most of these experts that have these texts completely figured out have them completely figured out in completely different ways. (laughs) There are sometimes rare moments when these experts do have some kind of thread of agreement when they come to a text, and you would be surprised to know that it is this parable that is one of those rare moments where all of them agree. And this week, the thread of agreement about this parable is this. This is a strange parable. (laughs) It's strange for a lot of different reasons. It's strange because it's culturally odd. Uh, Studying the culture around Jesus 
doesn't really help us understand much because this mixed together a whole bunch of different cultures and then surprises us on a number of accounts. It's a rather ominous story, which is rather strange as well for Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew. He doesn't tend to be too ominous in this Gospel. And finally, it's a little bit strange because the story sounds archaic to our ears. Even when we translate it in the most modern English that we can, it just sounds a little dated. And so while most of these experts agree that the parable is strange, they all interpret that strangeness in different ways. So we will start here with the strangeness of the story and see what we might find. The common theme in this story, and the common theme as we go through the rest of chapter 25, is the theme of waiting. It's that these stories are all told about those that must wait. These stories are about liminal spaces. They're spaces that stand between one time and another. It's natural to assume that Jesus' aim is to prepare these disciples for after the time that he leaves. And perhaps as they wait again for his subsequent arrival. And so today's story is a story about waiting for a bridegroom. Ten bridesmaids, five foolish and five wise, according to the story, head out with their oil lamps to wait for a bridegroom. The foolish ones depart only with their lamps while the wise ones take an extra flask of oil with them. And immediately, two strange pieces of this story start to emerge. The first is that a bridegroom would not come late enough in the day where an oil lamp would be required, let alone an extra flask of oil. Second, there's no mention in this story, either here or throughout, of a bride. There is no bride to the bridegroom in this story. In this story, the bridegroom comes to gather up bridesmaids. Usually, there would have been a bride with those bridesmaids. And so these ten bridesmaids wait for a groom. And they go to a waiting place, which is also a little bit strange. We don't know where this place is. And they soon find that this bridegroom that's already going to be too late is delayed which is stranger still. Still, We're not given any reason for the delay. We're not given any reason for the wait. All we know is that a late party just got later. With such a delay, the bridesmaids naturally grow tired. They fall asleep. But finally at midnight, the bridegroom decides to show up. These bridesmaids are beckoned to come out and meet this groom, but as they prepare their lamps, the maids named Foolish discover that they have not enough oil for a flame. And they beseech their friends for enough oil to meet this groom, and these maids that are named Wise have not enough oil to share. And so these maids strangely send their friends out into the dark to find their own solution. And while they're away, the bridegroom arrives. The bridegroom arrives and escorts these five remaining maids to the wedding party. Apparently, though, the five fools found oil. They ask to be let in. They return, having sought what they were missing, and they knock on knock on a door that won't open for them. 
And not only do these five bridesmaids not gain entrance to the party, but this bridegroom, who we can imagine probably would have known everybody involved in his wedding, says, I never knew you. And if all of that isn't quite strange enough, finally Jesus closes the parable with an exhortation that does not seem to align with the thrust of the story. Stay awake, says Jesus. The day and the hour are unknown. If we take this parable as an allegory, it becomes a pretty frightening story. If we say that these bridesmaids are the church, which usually it's a bride, but not in this case, and if Jesus is this bridegroom, and if Jesus' return is the coming of the bridegroom, and if this party is the coming of heaven, then that means that this parable is about making sure that you've got the right oil or else. And if that is the case, then we have to ask some questions. What is the oil? What is it that we're supposed to have to make sure that we get into this party? What is it that we're supposed to be doing to prepare for this banquet? When I was a child, uh, my family went to a church that insisted that Jesus was coming back soon. I think we all are familiar with some of these predictions. When I was a child, my church told me that my generation was going to be the generation to see Jesus come back. The way that that tradition that I was a part of would have interpreted this parable would have been this. They would have said that the oil is having the right kind of faith. It's believing the right kind of thing. It's having the right doctrine. And if you are a part of the right tradition, then when Jesus returns, you will find that you have enough oil to meet the bridegroom. Other traditions take the same approach, but they name the oil as something a little bit different. Maybe the, the oil represents the way that we act towards the world around us. It represents our good deeds, the way that we try to make this world a better place, the way that we treat our neighbors, the way that we pursue justice. And then others say that this oil even represents acts of piety, that to have enough oil means to pray well, to study well, to have your quiet time. But here's the weird part about all of that. All these things are good. I do think these things are important. Theology, the way that we talk about God, the way that we relate to God, the way that we relate uh, to the world around us. These are all important things. But at the end of the parable, when Jesus gives the disciples his last word about this story, he doesn't say, when the bridegroom comes, make sure you've got the right kind of oil. Make sure you've got enough of it. Make sure you're well stopped. Instead, Jesus says something else. He says, stay awake. Keep alert. Be aware. Be present to the moment that you're in. And who fell asleep in this parable? They all did. The wise, the foolish, they all fell asleep. So I don't think this story is really about the oil. The bridegroom doesn't ask for the oil. I don't even really think the story is about wise and foolishness because they all fall asleep. 
I think that the real issue is this. This whole parable builds to a certain moment in the story. These bridesmaids are waiting for this bridegroom. And the anticipation grows as this bridegroom's arrival is delayed and delayed. And the anticipation grows as these bridesmaids grow weary. And the anticipation grows as they sleep. And the anticipation grows as we hear an announcement. The bridegroom is here. He's outside. Come and meet him. And we anticipate even more as they get up and they start preparing. They start trimming the wicks of their candles. They try to get their oil. And we see that the anticipation grows to a moment where they all come outside when the bridegroom has arrived. And only half of them are there. Only five of the bridesmaids greet the bridegroom. The issue, I don't think, is who brought enough oil and who didn't. The bridegroom, again, did not ask for the oil. Bridegroom didn't ask for light. It wasn't a lit lamp that this bridegroom invites to the party. This bridegroom has invited the people to the party. All that they needed, all that this bridegroom was looking for was the people. All that this bridegroom wanted was them. They were enough. It wasn't about their oil. It wasn't about their preparedness. It was about them. They were enough. They didn't know it. And I felt like that before. I felt like I was missing something when a moment came. I felt like I wasn't enough when asked to do a certain thing or asked to meet a certain place or expectation. And if we heard somebody suddenly announce that God and Christ was out there waiting for us, I would hesitate a little bit probably before I went out there. I would wonder if I'm enough. If I've got the right kind of oil, I might even duck out the back door and go try to find some. But the bridegroom, I don't think, is looking for my oil. I think he's looking for me. The bridegroom is looking for you. I've also found myself in another place in this parable, though. It's those wise maids those maids that somehow strangely had the foresight to pack enough oil for this night, they send the foolish ones out into the dark to solve this problem on their own. Part of the reason that only half of us showed up when this bridegroom arrived is because we sent the other half away. In a moment of vulnerability and in a moment of need, We sent somebody out in the dark to find something that they didn't need in the first place. So I've been in that position of the foolish bridesmaid, but I have also been in that position of the wise. I have sent people back out in the dark because I was afraid that what I had to share was not enough. But this parable has helped me to see something even in that moment. Whatever that oil represents, maybe those maids truly could not share that oil. Maybe we can't cover up one another with our good deeds and our right doctrines and our statements of faith. Maybe we can't share the oil. But we can share our light. When there is a moment of vulnerability and when there is a moment of need, we can still share what we have. 
we can still give people the means to see. We can still share the light that we've been given. And so, friends, this parable and the ones that we will be talking about in the next couple of weeks, they acknowledge that waiting is hard. Waiting for God to come and set all things right in the world that we see on the news is hard. It was hard for Matthew's community 2,000 years ago. It's hard for us today. 2,000 years hasn't changed the fact that waiting is hard. Waiting for something that is long overdue, something that many of us probably don't even believe is coming. And then we wait while we wait for all of these other things that are going on around us. Waiting is hard. Waiting in line is hard. Waiting for Christmas is hard, isn't it? Anybody have any words about that? I heard at least one yes right there. <laughs> waiting for Christmas is hard. Waiting for acceptance letters, waiting for scholarships is hard. Waiting for a new job is hard. Waiting for a marriage to get better is hard. Waiting for a loved one that is suffering to escape their pain is hard. Waiting for divorce papers, for severance packages, waiting is hard. Episcopalian priest David Henson delivered a sermon on this passage that I read this week that I really, really appreciated. And I want you to hear the words that the Reverend Henson closed with. He said, I have been the foolish whose lamps have run out. I've been the wise who feared sharing and losing what they had. I've been the bridegroom who refused to let someone in. Maybe in the end, that's what this parable does. Maybe that's what all good short stories do. They allow us to find ourselves warts and all. So if you find yourself feeling like the foolish bridesmaids, remember to wait in the darkness. Don't run from it. It is a holy place and God will meet you there. And if you find yourself feeling like the wise bridesmaids, remember to share what you have, even if it scares you. Don't trade your temporary comfort for your beloved community. The chance to give yourself as a holy place and God will find you there. And if you feel yourself feeling like the bridegroom, remember to open wide the doors to the banquet feast and don't let hurt feelings and fear insulate you from others. Welcoming those who have made mistakes and who walk in darkness is a holy place, and God will find you there. Reverend Henson's words do two things for me as I wait for all the things that I wait for. First, I'm reminded that whether I am wise or foolish, that God will indeed meet me in that holy place. And second, that they remind me that in the waiting, there's still a way to wait well. I can wait well when I feel inadequate and I can wait well when I feel like I have something to share. Waiting is hard. But friends, we can wait well.
Let us remain awake. Let us be present. Let us be aware of the pain of waiting in ourselves and in the world around us. But let us also share the light we have and seek those around us that have light to share. Amen.